continue. But thank God we have the Bible. And the Bible tells us the mind, the thoughts, the desires, the dreams of Jesus. And the Bible tells us the mind, the thoughts, the dreams of God. And, uh, you know, so we don't have the luxury of knowing each other's thoughts. I mean, I kind of wish you knew what your wife was thinking. I don't know what you were thinking. You thought I had the kids. I thought you had the kids. Now it's 8 o'clock and neither one of us have the kids. Where are our children? But the, I will say this. The, the longer I, I've, I've spent time with my wife, I get to where I kind of know what she's thinking. How many of y'all know you spend enough time with somebody and you just give them a look? How many of y'all know the different looks? Right? I mean, they ain't got to say a whole lot. They just give you that look. And I already, I already know what she's thinking. If I have a certain look, she, she knows my kids. The, we have looks, right, for the kids. I can, I can just, just real quick, I can let Noble Burns know exactly what I'm thinking without saying anything. And sometimes, you know, it's the, that's a good look right there. And then other times it's like the, I'm going to rip all the hair out of your head. Look. <laughs> He knows, he knows immediately uh, what I'm thinking. Ansley Burns, I'll give her that. Come give daddy a hug, look. Please be sweet to daddy. Come give daddy some sugar. And most of the time she says no. Uh, so I have to give her that look again. I, and, I, and, and she knows what I'm wanting. She knows what I'm thinking. Well, well she got to that point of understanding what I'm thinking just by spending time with him. So if you really want to get the mind of God, the heart of God, the heart of Jesus, the motives of Jesus, if you actually say, I want to let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus, you can grow and develop in it. And the number one question that Christians have is, what does God want me to do? Or I want to know the purpose of God for my life. Listen, if you'll hang out with him, you won't go very long without finding out. It's most of the time we want to find out without ever spending any time with them. But if you'll spend time with him, you can, you can, you can know we were walking uh, in, we were in New York last week. And a guy, he, he's, he wants to read, read our future or whatever. He says, find out tonight what tomorrow holds. And it was so funny. I walked by thinking, brother, you don't want to know what I was thinking. <laughs> But I just walked by and, and, and he's one and he thinks that he can tell or, or read uh, my, my future. But, but thank God for the Holy Spirit and for the word of God that we can find out what, what drove Jesus, what, what he was passionate about. And, and if you just look at the scriptures, for me, you find out one of the things that's most uh, impacting is that Jesus, Jesus wasn't a wimp. Jesus was tough. Anybody that's going to go to the place of the skull and, 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 and be stabbed and bruised for our iniquities and not bear under that, that, that burden. He's physically tough. He was emotionally tough. The Bible says that he, that he bled drops of blood. That, that he was strong. And sometimes we, we have this impression, I think, of Jesus that, that, that he, was, he was kind of, for lack of better terms, a sissy. But I can tell you, he, there was no sissy in him. He was a warrior. You're not going to go into the heart of the earth and overthrow principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places by being, uh, by being not tough. No, he would come into the temple and throw over the, the tables. And, and he was tough to the most religious people, the most powerful people of the day. He says, you're, you're, you're just like your father, the devil. Have you ever told anybody that before? 
you're just like your daddy, the devil. He says, you're, you're a den of thieves. You've, you've, you've made my house something besides a house of prayer. He would even jerk the slack out of, out of his disciples. He would get on to his disciples and say, you should have more faith. Or you shouldn't think like that. You shouldn't try to exalt yourself. He, he spoke to Lazarus, said, Lazarus, come forth. Death had, had no power over Jesus. Principalities and demons, that the earth is the Lord's. He, he, he holds everything in the span of his hands. The universe is in the span of his hands. So Jesus is tough and yet he's also, he's compassionate. He would get up on a mountain and he was moved by compassion because he said that, that the people went everywhere like a sheep without a shepherd. That people would come through the crowd and would touch him and he would turn around and he would say, Shalom or my peace, I'll leave with you. So he's tough and yet he's compassionate and he's got strength but he's also, he carries peace or shalom everywhere and we find out the mind of Christ. Well, why am I saying all that? Well, if you're going to do the will of God, you've got to be tough. There needs to be some, uh, you need to have some type of Jesus swagger. And that just means that things don't, that, that, that you're not easily scared off by, by the devil or by circumstances. We've had a thousand reasons to quit this church over the past four years and the building of this church just the past six or eight months. But there's got to be something. You gotta, if you want the mind of Jesus, you've got to let him give you his mind. And in that mind, there's compassion and there's strength and there's peace. But there's also this toughness. That, that Jesus has. And, and Paul here, he says, he says, you need to let that get in you. You, you need to let that, that mind of Jesus, the compassionate, compassionate, strong one, let that come into you. And if you will, he says, you'll change the world. But, but this morning, I want to look at the missional Jesus. Jesus was a man on a mission. He, did, he didn't just come down here uh, for, for no reason. He came down here for a very specific purpose. And the, this last couple of weeks, you know, we've been looking at uh, our joy and our responsibility to, to reach people with the gospel. And I've told, them, I've told you, you don't have to know all the scriptures in the Bible. And you don't have to know everything about the Bible. Just tell people your story. You don't have to know all the Bible stories. Just tell people your story. You don't have to have, know all the verses. Just talk to people about what God has done in your life. And if you'll do that, he'll open doors but before you and I, so, I showed you in the Old Testament there's four lepers that come into a community they come into a place and God has scattered all of the enemies and, 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 and instead of having to fight for their provisions they walked in and the Bible says that they went to this tent and there's no enemy there so they started gathering treasures and hiding those treasures they went into another tent and there's no enemy there God has already scared the enemy off and they got this food and they begin to eat food then they went in another tent. They began to hide these treasures. But at some point they said it's not right for us to just gather these treasures. We have to go tell other people about what God has done. That God's wrought a great victory. Listen, we saw that, that we can't just go from church service to church service or convention to convention or Bible study to Bible study. Gathering these treasures and hiding them. 
There has to be a point for, in our lives that we say, listen, we've got to go tell other people about the victory that's been wrought in us. We saw Peter last week. Peter goes up a mountain with his Christian friends and he's hanging out with Jesus and Moses and Elisha and the power of God comes down. The presence of God comes down. And Peter says, Jesus, can we stay here forever? Can we just make some temples on this mountain? But God doesn't allow us just to stay with our Christian friends on a mountain and experience his goodness week after week after week. No, Jesus said, Peter, get your butt off of this mountain and go and preach on the, pen on the day of Pentecost. Go raise Dorcas from the dead. Go heal the blind man that's laying by the roadside beggar. Go baptize Cornelius. If Peter would have just gotten his wish, he would have just, him and his Christian friends stayed on the top of the mountain in the presence of God. And we've all been there. We've all been in services where you're like, man, oh, they want to leave here. This is amazing. And, you know, it's like an open heaven. But God brings us into his presence to send us out of his presence. So I want to look at the Jesus side of it and see, see how, what he had to say about this. Jesus had a lot to say about why he came and what he wants to do in us. So I'm just going to give you the mind of Jesus this morning. And we'll see, we'll see what, what you do with it and what I do with it. Uh, if you look in Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. They're going to put it up behind me. I'm going to go through some of these real fast before we get to Luke chapter 15 this morning. Matthew chapter 18 verse 11, Jesus says, the son of man came to save that which was light, that which was lost. If you want the mind of Jesus, he tells you, he says, I'm a missional man and I came to seek and to save that was lost. He goes on, John chapter 15, he says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend, Jesus' mission. He says, I'm not here just to live. I'm actually here to die. Greater love has no man than to, to lay down his life for his friend. I was recently listening to a guy, you know, he's a Vietnam type guy. And he was in Vietnam. He said, you know, uh, we, we developed such camaraderie that, that I had friends that when a grenade was thrown into the foxhole, they dove on top of the grenade to blow themselves up rather than, uh, how many of you know that's a good friend? Yeah, that's it. And, and you'll go through life. You don't, have, you don't have a lot of those in your life, but you got one in Jesus. Jesus said, greater love has no man that, that he laid down his life. The mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost. The mission of Jesus was to lay down his life for his friend. John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to steal to kill and destroy. Here Jesus, he tells us the mission of the devil, right? He says the, the mission of the enemy is he's going to come into your life. He's going to lie to you because no thief comes in and says, surprise, I'm here to steal. No, uh, he's going to come in. The thief's going to come in. He's going to trick you. He's going to deceive you. And but, but the only reason he's there is he's there to steal from you, steal your marriage, steal your kids, steal your future, steal your money. He's there to steal from you. He's there to kill you. And he's there to absolutely destroy you. But Jesus never, never, the very next verse, he says, but, but my mind that I want you to know, my thoughts, my desires, he says, I want you to know that I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 he says just as the son of man did not come to be served Jesus says I didn't come down here to be served. I came to serve. That's why I came. So if we're going to have the mind of Jesus listen why am I giving you all these verses? Well the very first verse I give you said, said let this mind be in you. What, which, which mind? This whole, uh, every, all of these verses have to do with listen you can't just think about uh, uh, your own preservation self-preservation. 
you actually have to think about that there's other people's lives at stake. At some point, you have to say, it's not right for us to just sit here and hide all these treasures and eat all of this wonderful preaching. Nom, 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 nom. And go to another conference. Go, now, at some point, we have to say, we've got to go tell the king's household. And in fact, the leper said, they said, we'll be punished if we don't go tell. I think sometimes we think that Jesus, that there's not going to be any punishment in heaven, that, that we're under grace in the New Testament and that we don't have any responsibilities, that we can just skate through our life here and, and, and take zero responsibility for the message he's called us to carry. And, and I don't believe it's true or God wouldn't give us these examples where he says, listen, you can't just hide these treasures he says there'll actually there'll be there'll be some repercussions from it. What are those? Well, I don't know. I can't tell you. But but I believe that there'll be blood on our hands if we don't share the message. And again, I'm not talking about you standing on, on the cafeteria preaching with a tambourine or nothing. Uh, I'm just saying you let your light so shine before men, and and you just that people that that they see it in you, being the same on Monday as you are on Sunday. If you'll carry the same Sunday light with you on Monday, then that it'll attract, it'll be attractive to people, including the devil. Bugs are attracted to light. He'll come after you. He'll mess with you. There's no doubt about it. But you just zapping. Fry that sucker. Right? He won't land on a hot stove. Not for long. If you'll stay hot, if you'll be passionate about doing what Jesus said do, which is seek and save the lost. I didn't come to, to serve. I came to be served. I came to give life and life more abundantly. If we'll live that way, it'll make a big difference, not just in your life, but in your eternal life. Not just your eternal life, but other people's eternal life. And I told you, Jesus has a lot to say about this. And I know this is not like a, a run around the room message, but, but this is really what will cause your life to count. And sometimes we think just that a good message on hope will make your life count. Listen, at the end of your life, what really is going to make it count is what you did for him. That's really what's going to make life meaningful. That the only thing that you can carry to heaven with you is people. The Bible says that we're going to stand before God and he's going to hit our life with his fire. And he says all of the hay and stubble is going to be burned up. But, but the things that we did for him, that they'll be refined as precious gold. He says a lot about it. In one chapter, in Luke chapter 15, that's where I told you to open your Bible this morning. He gives three different parables on the same exact subject. I think Jesus, he must think sometimes, well, y'all are kind of dense. So I'm going to take just one whole chapter and just dedicate it to, to these things. And these are all passages of scripture that, that we're pretty familiar with. If you look in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says, And then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. To what? To hear him. Something about what Jesus said just attracted people. Even the sinners, even the tax collectors were even worse than sinners. It's funny that they classified him. Even the writer here, you know, Luke, he's like, there's sinners and then there's tax collectors. How I many y'all feel him on the IRS? You're like, there's the IRS and he gives them a whole classification. He says, these people are lower than low. They're the worst of anybody. And he says, and yet they drew near to him so that they could hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, Real religious people of the day, they complained and they said, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. He's going to give them not one, not two, but three parables on this. And he says, he, he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep? 
If he loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? How many of y'all have heard this before? Very, very familiar. He says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors. And he says to them, rejoice for me, for I found my sheep, which was lost. And I say to you, likewise, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who read or have no repentance. The very first one, he says, there's a guy with, with 99 sheep. And he leaves the one. But what's interesting is, is he's getting on to religious people or he's talking to them. And what he's really saying to them is he says, he says, listen, as a religious person, he says, you're, you're, you're just interested in your own salvation. You're not really interested in the salvation of others. How many of y'all, how many of y'all have ever felt that before? That kind of hits, hits me in the heart. That, that basically, Jesus is saying, listen, you, you're just concerned about your own kids going to heaven, your own kids' eternal salvation, your own kids' school. You're just really mostly concerned about your marriage and, and your family and your bank account. You're mostly concerned with what you've got going on. But Jesus is challenging them. He says, listen, don't just be concerned with your own salvation. Think about somebody else's eternal salvation. Because we can, it's easy for us, especially here, because we got it good. How I many y'all know we've got it good? Whether you realize it or not, you've got it good. And I think lots of times we think, those Pharisees, oh my gosh, they should be stoned to death. Drag them outside of the temple and stone them. But in many ways, we're the same way. If Jesus was here, I believe he'd give the same parable to each one of us. And he would challenge us. He says, listen... You can have the 99 and settle for your 99. But he says, I'm challenging you to not just settle with your own personal salvation. Go above and beyond. Do whatever it takes to go find that one lost sheep. And when you find it, you, 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 you rejoice. And, and, and the sheep, you know, is kind of a shepherd. That's his livelihood. So now Jesus is going to give them a similar parable. But now he's going to talk about money. Because sometimes our livelihood, our careers, we, kind of, we get concerned about that. And we lose kind of the heart of why we're here. So now Jesus is going to talk about a woman and her money. Ooh, just kidding. Your manicures and your pedicures. Just kidding. I'm getting on to you. I know, I know, I know, I know. Treasure's like, looks like you got new shoes on yourself. <laughs> I feel you, Treasure, I feel you. But now he's going he's to talk about money here. He's going to say, that verse number eight, he says, What woman having ten silver coins? If she loses one coin, does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Have you ever lost anything before? Have you ever lost your cell phone? It's like the whole world stops turning. You know, it's just like time freezes when you, when you lose your, your debit card. It's like, oh no, they're going to figure out my four-digit pin. Oh no, they're going to have the barbecue on me. They're going to Market Basket and getting all the boot in. And, and the, the world stops when it, whenever we lose something that's precious to us. I, mean, ever, I used to have contacts. Have you ever lost your contact before? Freeze! Right? Nobody, nobody move. I lost my contact. And, 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 you, and, you, and you start getting 
You, you'll get people around you to help you. We were just at a marriage conference. This was a, a few months back, and it was so sad. Y'all are going to laugh at this, uh, but don't laugh too hard because it's really sad. They were re- renewing vows, and uh, while they're renewing the vows, the, the, the guy drops the woman's wedding, wing, wedding ring, and we're in Lakewood. You know, Lakewood's pretty big, pretty big church. That, that ring is still rolling down Lakewood somewhere. It's just like they never found that ring. The whole section, we like all stopped and looked and looked. They're renewing their vows at Lakewood with Jimmy Evans, you know, up on the stage. And just like the whole, like all the air was sucked out of the room. Like, my wedding ring. And we all, we all, we, 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 we did what this woman did. Got out our cell phones. Got out our lights. You know, the smokers. Just kidding. Uh, all the people, they, they, they were doing anything necessary to find this. Jesus said, he says, there's a woman, she's got ten coins. And she could be satisfied just with the nine. But there's something about that one coin, that money, it's, it's precious, it's valuable. But he says, if, if she lost that one coin, and the Bible says that she found that she, she got a light. And she went into every, every crevice and in every dark place. And she's taken the light that she had into these dark places to try and find this one coin. And I believe if she can't find it, then, then she gets other people. For, for us as, as, as pastors, you know, you know, we're carrying a light. And I believe we're carrying it in to dark places. And we're looking. You say, yeah, there's tons of churches in Lake Charles. There's tons of people in churches. You're in the Bible Belt. Yeah, but there's, there's coins out there. Yeah. There's coins that need to be found. And many times our light's not good enough to find it. So we need children's workers and nursery workers and greeters. And we need people in the parking lot. We need people on setup. We need people on tearing up. So that with all of our lights, we can search all the crevices and we can find the coins that need to be found. And Jesus says, listen, you can't just be concerned with, with your own uh, nine coins or your own money or your own sheepfold or your own business. He says at some point... You you got to say, hey, it's not a right for us to just be hiding these treasures. We need to go tell the king's household that the enemy has been scattered. The floodgates have been opened. The presence of God is up on this mountain, but, but it's available to all of us at some point. The adjustments have to be made, and then he gives one more parable because two is not enough. And this one, he's going to talk about relationships. And, and they're very familiar. Everybody knows the story of the prodigal son. The daddy's got two sons and one son comes and he says, listen, I, I, I want my inheritance. Now I want to leave your house. I want to leave your family. The Bible says he went and he, he blew his whole inheritance. He, he spent all of his money, but the Bible says he came to himself. And when he came to himself, he says, I could, I could live better just as a servant in my dad's house. And the Bible says that he arose and as he's going home, as he's approaching home, that the, the father, he comes and he runs out and he embraces him. He puts a robe on his back. He puts a ring on his finger. He kills the fatted calf and he celebrates. He celebrates the coming home of this son. The, the last verse of there, it says, 
So he answered, verse number 29, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. He says, he says, these many years I was serving you, I never transgressed your commandment. This is the other brother complaining. He says, but you never gave me a goat or you made merry with my friends. But as soon as this other son came home who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and I, all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad that your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost but now is found now he's speaking uh, to, to relationships and for sometimes in church uh, we People come in and you say, well, man, I've been, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've been serving God my whole life. And, and, and you're really talking a lot about going and finding some other people. No, I'm not talking about Jesus for the third time here. He says, listen, if you want to know what's in my mind, you want to know what I'm thinking about, what I dream about, what drove me to the cross and then what drove me into hell and then what, what I arose for. My whole mission is to seek, save the lost. Not to be served, but to serve. To lay down my life for my friends. I move with compassion because I want people to, to not be like sheep without a shepherd. I want them to be in the family of God. It's not right just to stay here. You need to get up and not just worry about your own sheep or your own coins or your own family. Be mindful of the fact that there's other people out there that need to be reached. Last passage of scripture I'm going to give you this morning is Numbers chapter 32. We're going back to the Old Testament. Listen, by the time we get done with this mini-series, we've hit it old, new, all that all, so far is just red letters. What Jesus, what, what he thinks about our responsibility to, to, to reach and find people. And now back in Numbers chapter 32, you, you're going to see that there's, there's 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Twelve tribes, and they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The reason they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years is because God told Moses, he says, Moses, I want, I want Pharaoh to let go of my people. They've been slaves for 400 years. Go to Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go. So you know the story. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, you know, I kind of like how the slave thing's working out. Built some really nice stuff with them. I really don't want to let them go. But after 10 plagues, finally, Moses and the children of Israel, they leave Pharaoh. And God says, he says, I've got a promised land for you. I've got somewhere, I've got something good. It flows with milk. It flows with honey. It's the promised land. I'm going to bring you to the promised land. But on the way to the promised land, they start complaining. And the Bible says that God's anger arose against them. So he, he just kept them in the wilderness a little bit longer. Then the Bible says that they started worshiping other gods. And God's anger was aroused again. So he just kept them in the wilderness a little bit longer. Now, finally, he, they keep this up until God says, All right, you're all going to die in the wilderness. Nobody's making it to the promised land except for your kids because I'm tired of dealing with y'all's complaining and you keep worshiping other gods. Well, now 40 years have passed. It's taken them 40 years to, to, to go in about a 10-day journey. And, and the reason is, is that they, they just, they won't stay in in tune with God long enough. I don't know about you, but, but I've done this many times where it's like, yes, Jesus and then it's a couple of days later, then I'm back doing, and it it's took me years until I finally got traction. And, and I began to really pursue the promised land. So I'd encourage you, if you're here, you say, man, it seems like I just can't ever quite get there. Listen, God's got something for you. He, he, he'll help you. You just got to stay locked into him beyond just Sunday. 
If you'll stay, if you'll pursue him throughout the week, he'll do great things for you. But anyway, so 40, 40 years later, and now they're finally, they're on this side of the Jordan. All they got to do is cross the Jordan and start kicking some, there's, there's people there that they're going to have to fight. They cross the Jordan, they go over, that's the promised land, and then they can fight. Well, they've got 12 tribes. Well, two of the tribes, they decide, well, we really don't want to go in to the promised land. We kind of just want to stay right here where we are. And I want you to see what their, what their reasoning is. Numbers chapter 32 verse number 1. It says, Now the children of Reuben, that's one tribe, and the children of Gad, that's another tribe. It says they had a very great multitude of livestock. They're loaded. They got a, bunch, they got a good thing going here. He says, and when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed their region was a place, a good place for their livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, they came to Moses and Eliezer and these other leaders. Verse number four, he says, the country with the Lord has defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock and your servants or, or we have livestock. In other words, we really don't want to go out of this place because where we're at is great for livestock. And we've got a bunch of livestock. So Moses, can we, can we stay here? They say, verse 5, it says, If we found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. I want you to see Moses' response here. Verse number 6. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, He says, Shall your brother, brethren go to war while you sit here? Not a powerful powerful verse there he says so you're willing to let other people go fight and sacrifice while you just sit here and enjoy your livestock and your livelihood and and and, and for you and I it's easy for us to sometimes just say you know what I got a pretty good here you know I got a pretty good job pretty good wife pretty good wife actually she's really good I got a that's for you baby uh I got a got a great wife, I got good kids, you know, why, why can't I just stay here? And Moses says, listen, it's not just about you. He says, there's other people that need to get to the promised land. And, and they're dependent upon your fighting in order for them to inherit the promised land. So he says, you're willing to just sit in your promised land without fighting so that other people can experience the promised land. He goes on, he says, verse number seven, he says, you'll discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them. Skip down to verse 14 he talks to him a little bit more but I want you to see this he says look you have risen in your father's face you're a brood of sinful men you, you increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord in other words he says God God may love you but he's not happy right now how many y'all know I love my kids but how many y'all know sometimes kids do things that don't don't make you happy does that mean I don't love them? no I love them oh little Uchi Gucci I love you so much little man but you're gonna clean your room Yes, ma'am, you are. I promise you. You're going to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, you're going to do that. But I love you. I love you. I love you a whole bunch. Listen, God here, Moses is telling me, he says, listen, God, God, God loves you. He's got a possession for you. But he says, this attitude of just sitting in your own personal promised land, you're going to raise that same anger up again. And he says, you're actually going to discourage other people. Other people will see you settling and they'll say, well, why should I fight? They aren't fighting. Let's just all settle here. Moses says, you're going to discourage everybody from fighting. 
the, the Christians that are just sitting, you're going to discourage all of them. Get your butt up. Excuse me. Verse number 15, he says, If you turn away from following him, he will once again, he'll leave them in the wilderness and you will destroy these people. I, I submit to you, there'll be some people that never make eternity. They never make heaven. They never understand that their marriage can be whole and their teenager can be whole and that, that, that life can be better for them. They'll never discover purpose and their lives will be destroyed if we just camp in our own promised land. Verse 16, he says, Then they came near to him and I love their response. And, and this is the response I want from myself and from you this morning. They came to Moses and they said, Moses, we'll build sheepholds here for our livestock and our cities for our little ones. But we ourselves, we will be armed. We will be ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. They made an adjustment in their heart right there. And they said, Moses, we've heard what you said. We don't want to arouse God's anger. He says, we'll arm ourselves and we'll make sure they get to their place. Our little ones, they'll dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. Verse 18, he says, we will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. What a great, appropriate response. They said, we will take up arms. We will not go home alone. We won't go home. We won't go to bed. We won't sleep until everybody has made it to the promised land. Listen, I, I submit to you, we're about to get into a new building. And uh, I love it. It's wonderful. But, the, the, but to think that that's the end, it's not even close to the end. We're about to graduate high school. We had a little freshman year at the movie theater down, you know, down there. And then we had a good sophomore year. And we had a bunch of pimples everywhere. And got pushed around a little bit and got tripped. And uh, people kind of pushed us up against up against the locker, but then I need them. I'm just kidding. Uh, and so, you know, then, then you had the little junior year, you know, and now, yeah, after four years, we're about to get to, to get a building, but that is not our promised land. And, and that is not the place that we'll settle and, and, just, and just enjoy the, the nice brick and the nice tall, uh, tile and, and the, the pretty sinks. No, there, there's no settle there. Uh, we, we'll carry arms until every person, all the coins have been found and all the kids come home and all the sheep are back into the sheepfold. Uh, we, we'll never settle. There'll never be an end. There'll be this building and then another one and then another one. And if it takes 10 locations and 100 years, will be about our father's business Jesus said if you want to know my mind my meat and my drink is to do the will of the one who sent me what entertains me and what satisfies me the desire what I think about and dream about what drives me is not to be served it's to serve it's to reach and save them that are lost at all costs I'll lay down my life nothing will, will deter me or keep me until the prize has been won and we all stand before the throne of God and there's a voice of of many waters of all ethnicities and, and, and nationalities. Uh, every person, uh, we, we welcome them all. And some of them will stink and they'll be sinners and tax collectors. But oh well, we'll clean them up and polish the diamond until he sets it in his place in the body of Christ. Uh, he's the great jeweler. But I love this and I'll end with this. Because their response was, hey listen, w w we, we hear what you're saying Moses. Moses said to this, he says, if you'll do this, if you'll arm yourselves before the Lord for the war. And all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he's driven his enemies out from before the Lord. And the land is subdued before the Lord afterward you can return and look at this be blameless before the Lord again back to here in other words if you don't do this there will be blame 
If you don't take up your responsibility to go and tell of the, 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 like the lepers and to come off the mountain and to do, if you don't fulfill your assignment, there is blame. But he says, if you'll do it, he says, you'll be blameless before the Lord. But next, next thing he says, he says, in this land will be a possession before the Lord. But if you do not do it, take note, you've sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. But the last verse here I want to show you is he says, build for your cities and the folds for your sheep. Do what's proceeded out of your mouth. And if you keep reading there, Moses basically says, he says, after every person's in, he says, then you can still have your livestock. You can still have your home. You can still have your business. You can still have your kids. God's not opposed to us having nice things and businesses and livestock and 401ks and retirements. He's not, a, he's not opposed to your nest egg and your fancy car. He's not opposed to any of it. The only thing he's opposed to is us not taking up arms. And as we go out into our cities and our communities and the highways and the byways, the only thing that he's against is not uh, uh, us taking what we know and hiding it under a bushel and, and not telling the king's household, hey, there's a, it's, it's, it's been one you can do it. And uh, I'll leave you with your homework this week. I've told you the past couple of weeks. Hey, just tell people your story. Just tell people your story. Listen, I'm going to tell you this week, the, most of the best preaching you ever do will never have a word in it. Some of the best preaching I did this week is not this morning. Some of the best preaching I did is I was standing, uh, you know, I was standing somewhere and the Lord said, uh, give that lady a hundred bucks. And I say, what? And uh, he said, he said, give that, give that lady a hundred dollars. And I knew the lady. And uh, he said, just give her a hundred dollars so she can go have fun and uh, not, not spend on bills, stuff like that. Just go, just go enjoy herself. So I didn't have a hundred bucks. I was with another guy. So I was like, give me a hundred bucks. And he was like, what? And I was like, just give me a hundred bucks. I'll pay you back. So he gave me a hundred bucks. So I walked over and said, here, I'm gonna give you some money. That way you can go have a good time and uh, go take yourself out to eat or something like that. And of course they always, they all do the same. No, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. And they hold their pocket open. Uh, just kidding. No, I don't want it. And I, I was like, just take the money. Go, go do whatever. Listen, there's no sermon preached. But doing what the felt like the Lord, the Lord told me to do. And then to me, it's, it's, you know, it's a hundred bucks. But, but to her, it, was, it, it meant something more than just a hundred bucks. There's a last couple quotes I want to, to, to give you before, whenever, as I close. And I, I, this, this was on my mother's refrigerator, which my mother's here somewhere. Where are you at, Mama? There you are, at Mama Front Center. Uh, growing up, this was on, I, and I'll never... It's so funny. I'll just throw this out there for those of your parents. You know, uh, growing up, I didn't like Jesus. My mother made me go to church. I really didn't want to go. But there were a couple pretty girls, so they kind of sweetened the deal a little bit. Uh, but I didn't really like going to church. I didn't want to go to church, but my mom had things posted up different places. I probably saw this when I was 15. I don't even know how long ago it was. 20-something years ago, hanging on her refrigerator. And I've never forgot it. I don't think it's there anymore. But it just says, it says, everywhere you go, tell others about Jesus. And when necessary, use words. And I've never forgot that. Sometimes we think to tell people about Jesus, we've got to go preaching and preaching and preaching. But this quote just basically said, everywhere you go, tell people about Jesus. And when necessary, use words. Whenever I gave this girl this money, I never really mentioned Jesus. But, but I didn't use words. I just did what he told me to do. And, 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 and I believe that, that it'll have an impact. The last one is, is a great quote that I've loved for years from Maya Angelou. And, and she says, people don't remember what you say all the time. But they do remember how you make them feel. What a great quote. So your homework this week is, is, is not necessarily to go say a whole bunch of stuff. But everywhere you go, you carry something. 
And what she's saying is, is, is uh, people don't, if I, if I ask any person here, I say, what I preach on this Sunday uh, last year, nobody in here could tell me what I preached on this October unless you're a weird, crazy fortune teller and we need to cast the devil out of you. But, uh, but outside of that, Nobody remembers what I preached on this Sunday. Most of you don't remember what I preached on three weeks ago. I don't even remember what I preached on three weeks, three weeks ago. But, but, so, so my job is not just so that you remember everything, but, but hopefully that, that there's something that you feel, right? That when people get around you, they feel hope. That hope's attractive. When people get around you, they feel love and they feel acceptance. They feel possibility. I get around them and there ain't no telling what anything's possible. So my assignment or my homework or what, what, what I want you to do uh, this week is just carry that and be aware of that and not necessarily go say a whole bunch of things or preach a whole bunch of things, but, but use things other than words and just let your light so shine before men. Take up arms and say, God, I'll do my part. I'll go, uh, I'll go and, and help get other people to the promised land. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for uh, your word giving light and understanding. God, we purpose in our heart to not just sit on our blessed assurance, but to go out and uh, reach people, to tell the king's household, to come off of the mountain of your presence and go into the valley of people's lives and carry your presence to, to be people that, that are willing to fight for the salvation and the peace of other people. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that every person in here is a carrier. Even those that say, well, I'm not qualified. I've only known Jesus a week or two weeks. Every person in here has a voice, a testimony, and has something to carry. They all have ammo to pass out to this generation to help and be a blessing everywhere they go. I, I, I don't want to close without giving you an opportunity. Maybe you're here, you say, I'm the coin. I'm the sheep. Uh, I'm the son that, that's lost. I'm the one that needs to be found. If you're here, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You say, I need to be found this morning. I, I want to be in, uh, in, in his house. Uh, and that's you. You say, I need to be born again this morning. I don't want to close without giving every person in here an opportunity. Listen, God, he's, the light of the gospel is being shined all around this room right now. And it's for the purpose of finding those that are lost. If you're here this morning, you say, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I'd like to pray with you, pray for you. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to lead you in a prayer that, that you just acknowledge. You say, I need to be found. I need God. I need to come home. I need the Father to put a robe on me and bring me into the household of God. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. Is there anybody like that this morning? I ask you to raise your hand if that's you this morning. You say, I need to be found this morning. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? You say, I just, I need to come home. Not going to call you out or embarrass you. Just want to pray for you. Lead you in a prayer this morning. Anybody else But before we pray? God's good. He's wonderful. He's faithful. And He's true. He'll leave the 99 to find the one. But if there's anybody else, you say, include me in that prayer. All right, praise God. We're going to move on. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then I, I want to bless you and pray for God to give you boldness to reach out to people. And, and I want to pray for the, the city this morning before we go. If everybody would stand up on your feet this morning. You that raised your hand this morning, before you leave, I'd like to give you a book and some material. Pray with you more if you, if you need it, but make sure you give you some material so you can go forward in, in God. Let's say this prayer together. Everybody say, Father God, you sent Jesus to die for me. 
I confess he is my king. He is my savior. He arose for me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You are my Lord. I confess your lordship over my life. Let your mind, your heart, your desires, your motives be in me like they are in you. Make me a light, a carrier out of this place into your world to influence my generation. In Jesus' name. Let's pray together for our city. God, we lift up the city of Lake Charles, all the surrounding areas as the water comes down. That We pray, God, that you're the Lord of the heavens and the earth for all the water to go where it needs to go, for, for, for there to be supernatural ability and protection on people's homes, their property, for, for our, uh, our system of sewage and, and drainage, for, for it to, to hold up and for all of the, the, the water to go and, and leave and not affect people's homes and their livelihood. God, you can do it. You could open up the earth and swallow all the water up. God, anything's possible with you. And God, we thank you that you're mindful of us, that as we pray, you answer our prayers. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said.